0: This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu Jitsu podcast. Will Harris.
1: What's up, brother? How you doing? Good, man. I can't complain, man. Uh, out here in uh, sunny Florida, can't, can't complain. Where exactly yeah. in Florida? I'm um, in Fort Lauderdale. Um, so I'm right on the water, uh, I can't complain about those views. So I just uh, moved here from Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. Last week, I had to get out of California, and we can talk about that later.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I definitely want to get into that. Um, you have a very interesting perspective on it,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I'm very excited to to dig into that. But let me just set up exactly who you are for the very few people uh, who might watch this who don't know. Uh, you are, if you are the most, if not the best, uh, and most prolific MMA documentarian. Working today, uh, you're completely independent. Although you wouldn't know that from number one, the quality of the work, the access, and the relationships that you've built over the past few years since you launched your uh, YouTube channel and Project Anatomy of a Fighter, which has had which has chronicled the best of the best of the best uh, in mixed martial arts across all different uh, organizations, but most notably. Uh, the come-up of uh, Khabib. And you, to say that you were there on the come-up and the rise would be the understatement of the century. Uh, you have seen so many fighters go from, some, in some cases, obscurity to superstardom. But um, your, I think when you really started to hit traction was when you went to Dagestan and started to, and you followed Khabib and his father and their whole crew uh, on the rise to becoming a champion all the way up to not this past fight island but the the previous fight island. So and then you and I came together after you were featured on the Joe Rogan podcast, which is a pivotal moment in any creator, filmmaker, business person's life to get to get tapped on the shoulder that way. And he had the same thoughts that we all had. It's like who is this anatomy of a fighter and how are they making this incredible content and getting it out so fast? Everyone thought that you worked for the UFC or that you had some kind of special access, but you know, the thing that I'm so excited to talk to you about today is about the bank account of life and how you've done the right thing by people and doors open when you do what you say. So, how did you get into filmmaking?
1: Um, by accident, um, I was in college. Uh, headed into my sophomore year, and I tore my ACL, and uh, like going into that year, you know, I I had like family members, close people that kind of was pushing me towards, you know, this was the last year of college, you should try to go to the NBA, play pro basketball after this year, because I just felt I was that good, and they thought that Um, people there was already at that level. So, I think like a week later after that confirmation I tore my ACL, it was like the universe was like, "Nah, not so fast." And um, I went back to college, red medically red shirted cuz I got hurt at home. <clears throat> and honestly, as the season was progressing, I was depressed. So I had nothing to do. You know, I'm not a video game guy or nothing like that. So, I bought a camera. Um, and I bought a camera just to have fun with. It. But I, I, I would probably say after the first week of having it, I naturally just found another passion. And I knew that I was going to be sitting out <clears throat> the entire year. But <clears throat> my coach, who's the uh, head coach of University of Auburn right now, uh, Bruce Pearl, he let me travel with the team. He said, I don't want you to just be red shirting, sitting at home because that is depressing and a lot of college students leave college that way because they feel like they have nothing to do so he let me travel with the team and once I started doing it I took the camera along so you know it wasn't creative I just filmed everything I filmed stuff on the bus I filmed the guys in hotel rooms uh us going out to eat uh walking down the street downtown wherever we were staying And then I used to take it to college parties and just film everything. I think back then the popular DVD was Girls Gone Wild. And I wanted to be that type of guy filming everything. (laughs) Honestly, the thing that I I, I noticed immediately was the camera had power. It got your attention for you being behind behind this object, but people noticed it. And I felt like I don't want to be in front of the camera. I'd rather be behind it. So uh, my humanities professor told me, you should take an intro to film on one class next semester because I think you'll like it. I did that. I started to learn the jargon and the, the real things behind what makes film film. And I was just floored. And I was just like, this is what I want to do. And Um, I finished my major uh, in business administration and um, I had to take another major because I was a fifth year senior. So I switched. I did uh, my second degree in film. And um, that's what that's how I started. Like literally it was me tearing my ACL. And had nothing to do. And I picked up a camera. That's how I started.
0: Unbelievable. Crazy, right? It is crazy. Uh, not only is it crazy; it's you have such a, a, a crazier story than that uh, on on your your path and trajectory, and you did a really good job chronicling that on Joe Rogan Experience. So instead of digging into the whole thing there, I would point people to go uh, go in the direction of talking. You know, going and listen to that Joe Rogan podcast. Do you find it crazy that millions of people have watched the podcast and the clips? And all that that's come off of it isn't it amazing that uh, you know some of your stories that they made into, into clips have garnered millions of views, five million
1: views. Um, it's it, honestly it's weird because obviously when you a a platform like that, I was like, you don't know what she's gonna talk about. Yeah. But honestly, I was a fan of Joe Rogan because of all the crazy shit that people talk about. Yeah. So. When I went on there, I didn't plan any of it. It just naturally came out. He he is the master of guiding you towards the direction. If you say something, you want to go in deeply. Honestly, to be honest about that, that was 0.8% of the craziest things that I could say. Like I've had a lot a crazy life in a short amount of years. But um, I don't know, it's weird. because you don't know the, the, the prowess of that podcast until you like go out into the real world and you everybody know who you are. like especially yeah. guys. Yeah, you wear hairs, you will hairs. And it's it's so weird because when I created Anatomy of a Fighter, which got me onto the podcast, I got I created it because fighters wasn't getting promoted the right way or they wasn't getting enough promotion. And I just wanted to create something that I felt like. I'm assisting in this grind of fighters by telling stories. And obviously I'm a storyteller that I wanted to. I didn't realize that he was going to get me so popular that I end up on one of the most, if not the most popular podcasts in the world. And I I, I wish that I did that for every fighter that catapult him on there, not just me. It wasn't never me wanting to get on there, but. You know, Joe basically was like, nah, you deserve to come on here. People need to know who you is because no one never knew who was recording everything except yeah. everybody in the industry that kept seeing me. And even then they didn't know. So I don't know. It's, I'm blessed. Honestly, it's a great opportunity. Obviously, it helped my career and my life tremendously. Uh, just having a lot of eyeballs on you. And After that podcast, I think, you know, I remember a point in a podcast where Joe asked me how many subscribers I had and I was like, Oh, like two hundred and you know, a year later I met half over half a million. So it's like, you know, it's crazy to think like I got half a million subscribers on YouTube. So yeah, it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty cool.
0: It's well deserved. So you know my dad, you've had the chance to film my dad, and you guys connected on some some deep things, but this is this is something I wrote about my dad in his first book uh they asked me to give a test the publisher asked me to give a testimonial i wrote this i said my father is as comfortable entertaining a prime minister as he is speaking with a cab driver i've been elbow to elbow with him as he negotiated with the ceo of a fortune 500 company and i witnessed him inspire hundreds of my friends through his blog when there seemed like there was no hope during the great recession what it all boils down to is my father loves business and loves his life although he never read the stoics he's a stoic philosopher Although he never attended business school, he's a student of business. I'm lucky to have my father as a mentor and coach. When he shared his simple philosophy through his blog, he had no idea it would inspire so many. Thank you, Dad, for having the courage to turn your blog into a book. And only after I met you did I realize like, the parallels between you and my dad. And when I wrote that about my dad, you know, I had, I had put a lot of pressure on him to turn his blog into a, bo- a book, a WordPress blog. Uh, Only later to find out that you too had a WordPress. That's so
1: crazy, right? That's so crazy.
0: And, you know, what I admire about you so much is that whether you're on the Joe Rogan podcast or talking to a homeless person or you're in the most intimate moment before a fighter is about to walk out into the biggest fight of his life, like you're the same guy. (laughs) You know, like you have that, you embody that exact same trait that made my dad so successful. And when I was trying to think about you know, what do we talk about on, you know, the business jujitsu podcast and trying to speak to young entrepreneurs and people who are on the come up. I just can't. And I've spoken about this to other people too, like the bank account of life, how you treat people is everything, you know, and you got this incredible opportunity through to expand your platform on Joe Rogan. But yeah, after how many years of just being such a great guy and having door after door after door open to you um, by doing the right thing by people and creating unbelievable content. So like, I, does that spark anything in you? Do you agree?
1: Yes, door after door, but a lot of doors close. You know, I always tell people that, and I, have you know, you see quotes, like you, you're gonna reach a thousand no's before you, a thousand yes. Think about it. Remember the last time I met you and I was talking about the camera that I wanted so bad, so bad. You yeah. know, it was funny because when I was on Rogue in it, I kept mentioning all I wanted is a camera. That's all I wanted. Because think about it. Some people want fame. Some people want money. Like, that's what they desire, success. And I'm like, I'm if I could get a brand new Ari Alexa movie camera, that is a billion dollars to me because I know what I'm going to create off of that. I'm going to create my opportunity. That is my fishing pole, Right. right. You teach me how to fish. No, give me a fishing pole and I will fish myself, right? And I remember people was like, ah, Cameron, Cameron. And and to me, when I first started, especially the Anatomy and Fighter, which was almost four years ago, the channel three years ago, if I I was going to think about anything I was going to get in return from telling these stories, it was something like that. So now where I'm at with it, And it's a brand and a name. It's 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 crazy because I think the fighters have accepted me as a brother. The women, the men, because they they know I'm there for them. Yeah, I'm not there for any other reason. You see what I'm saying? I can't help it if I get popular because of my skill set, but I'm only there for the fighters. Yeah, it's not. I'm not a clickbaity type of guy, a title to get you to click, to get a lot of views. I don't care if I post. If I don't have anything meaningful to post, I'm not going to post anything. And that's where I'm at now because I feel like COVID has allowed me to diagnose and review every single thing I've done so I can take the next step. And I'm really calling this next resurgence the next chapter because I feel like, I spent three years one way and it's like COVID is my halftime, right? Yep. It's like, okay, let's take a step back. You know, um, what I used to do wrong and what, I, what am I doing right now? How can I change it and maximize it to the best of my abilities to actually help the sport? Cause that's ultimately what I'm trying to do is help the sport. You know, okay. UFC is the entity, ESPN, you know, that collaboration with UFC. I just feel like I'm this guy on the sidelines that is making a lot of noise outside of the velvet ropes that can't get in the studio 64. Yeah. But if yeah. I get in, everybody gonna notice me. So I'm in Studio 64 now with no, you know, I, I'm, I'm sober, but yeah. Yeah. I have my intentions clear, you know? <laughs>
0: I love, you know, we, we caught up a couple months ago during COVID. And you were telling me that you were taking that pause to sharpen your skills. And you were talking to these unbelievable filmmakers and producers. And I was like, that's what everybody who's going to be incredibly successful, however you measure success, is some people sat on the couch. Some people played video games. Some people felt sorry for themselves. Yeah. And other people got to work. And that's what you were doing. You were sharpening your skills. You couldn't be out there filming and going to the gym, but.
1: Like a samurai because think about this you can film every day but you're not going to get better think about it so for three years i every day i was grinding i naturally have ability but technically it was things that i can improve on and i even knew that while i was filming my ability to color grade better and faster and like without using these templates and plugins that help you i was like no i want to master everything i do so after march you know i filmed khabib in vegas he was about to fight tony the next month so i'm thinking like my year is going to be set like i had this i can't even say but i had this huge documentary with this huge famous 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 legendary fighter I was getting paid a lot of money to do life changing. Like, go buy me a Lamborghini, and nobody can't tell me anything because I still got a lot of money, right? Yeah. Um, all of that failed. So you can sit there and pout. No money is coming in. I'm not able to film anything because you're scared of COVID. You don't know what it is. I went back to college. Mm. I bugged the hell out of people that I follow or I I look up to in the film world people that are super successful, people that are known, and I bugged them. And maybe because I have a platform now, it's easier to get a hold of people, but they opened the doors and they gave me advice. Um, I sent, you know, things that I practiced on to them. They gave me critiques and I'm like, wow, I'm about to destroy this industry the next time I get into a flow of creativity. And it's like, Yes, I missed out on a lot of opportunities, obviously, this last week with my brother Khabib fighting, who knew it was going to be his last fight. Bummed about it, but I'm blessed because when I took a, a step back, I said, damn, I was there when his father was last there. I caught that moment. I could have not went to Abu Dhabi last year, yeah, and I would have missed that whole heroic, historical event in Abu Dhabi with Khabib and his father and a It was the first time his father ever cornered him for a UFC fight. I feel like you can make a documentary off that. Sure. Father and his son, like something, you know, so I feel like I've been blessed in that sense. And this break has really allowed me the time to really look at my life, even just internally, personally as a person, not just filmmaking. You know, I'm getting older and I looked at it to a point where I was like, how can I become a better person? how can I become a better person in order for a woman to accept me as her husband or, you know, the father of her children, like stuff like that. So I don't know, like who knows in two weeks, we might not, you know, we might like, get back to the regular <laughs> lives. I hope so, but I doubt it, but I hope so. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's, it's crazy this year, man.
0: Yeah. I think that, uh, well, God, I, I do hope that we, we are here in a few weeks after the election. But, so let's, uh, let's dive into that a little bit. You, you fled California. Um, I think a lot of the industry fled California. The, you know, the mixed martial arts industry went to Florida. I think that's one of the driving forces uh, for the reason you're going there. South Florida is already a hotbed of mixed martial arts. What, is, what does it feel like to have to leave a place that you love, that you, was censored your career?
1: Well, for the last six years, i lived here. Yeah. Um, I moved to California to elevate my brand. Um, if I wouldn't have never moved to California, there was no Joe Rogan podcast. Like, you have to be in the right spaces and places at the right time, just yeah. like I was with that dolly going through the bus. <laughs> if it wasn't for me going with Kamara Uzman to Joe Rogan podcast and filming the behind the scenes, Joe would have never met me, and I wouldn't have been able to say, I'm Will Harris. I create Anatomy of a Fighter. He's like, wait a minute. You do that? That's behind the scenes. If I would and never did yeah. that, i never ended up on Joe Rogan. Think about that. So, that, that day he I'm said, totally you right. have to come on to this podcast. You. Seriously. Several times. you got to come on multiple times. Because he just felt it was so fascinating. That one guy, he saw himself a little bit. He like, we created this podcast with no help and you're building this platform you don't have like the a sponsor backing you putting money into you and you are able to just go film fighters all over the world because you have money to do it it was just like you've done this all by yourself and i think it was fascinating for him to see that um and i also think it's fascinating because i'm a black guy in a mma what? world filming all of this and if you know anything mixed martial arts ain't a predominantly black sport like some sports it's like Predominantly worldwide, but it's not African American. Yeah, our community don't look at this sport like that. Yeah, right. We don't care. Like that's just how I, the pulse of the our culture. I see that. I talk to people in my community, and they don't even know shit about the sport. So I feel like L.A. blessed me in that. But the this year has hit L.A. hard in terms of, especially entrepreneurs, uh, independent business owners. In the movie industry as a whole, my my mentor Anthony Mandler, who I look up to, and I, you know, I'm, I'm he's going to be one of my business partners in the future. He he hadn't filmed all year, and he's one of the top guys in the industry. Period. Um, and when I saw that, I was like, man. When I, ha- I have actor friends that haven't been on set or making any money this year, and then on top of that. Everything is just closed, you know. You can't go to a movie theater, can't go to a gym, you can't go um, to an indoor restaurant, you know. Like I get the mask thing in Florida; you still got to wear masks. You can take them off, but you still got to wear them. Yeah. So, you know, California, one of the highest states with taxes. Uh, you're just sitting in your house doing nothing. Staring at walls, you kind of feel like, "Oh, I gotta
0: how get out of here." How does it feel, you know? How does it feel being a, a black entrepreneur, filmmaker, avant-garde in an industry that is not, you know, doesn't isn't surrounded by black people, and you have the, you know, the dichotomy between being an entrepreneur and having to bust your ass and make money, and then fall into a tax bracket and say, "Wait, I worked really hard for this," but then on the other hand, you have uh, people who are struggling and. You know, if Biden gets elected and you live in California and you're paying now 62, 63% of your money
1: to so, uh, how does that feel? That's scary. Imagine, you know, I, I made this analogy the other day because what's his name? Jared Kushner or whatever mm-hmm. his name is. Yep. He said some stupid shit about blacks gotta want to work, they gotta. They they have to be willing to want to be successful. Like they want, they have to want to be successful for my stepfather's policies to work. Hmm. It's easy to say that when you started on third base in life, right? And the analogy I came up with was some people start on first base, second base, third base. We talked about it in your documentary. Just because you're rich don't mean you're gonna be successful. You can fuck up your and money that you get from your family, and some people you know, get thrown out on third, right? <laughs> yes. Um, some people start out in the dugout. I started out in the the bleachers, like snuck into the stadium and sat down in an empty seat. You know, I always tell people like, a lot of people don't know this, but my mom was 14 when she gave birth to me. My father was 14. Wow. I started out with horrible, like your probability, if it was a chart, you're gonna fail in life yeah. because you have, you was born to two kids. I'm from a town called Carbondale, Illinois, it's 25,000 people population, 49% poverty rate. You don't make it out of that. And the thing that I got offended by with the Kushner was, just because you wanna be successful or good at something don't mean it's gonna happen opportunity needs to happen yeah just because i want to win an oscar or be the best filmmaker in my doesn't mean it's going to happen you got to have opportunity mm-hmm. to show off your skill set and it has to be great timing and you have to be prepared and i got lucky i sprouted to six foot five in eighth grade down there i was about six three six four in ninth grade
0: yeah
1: and, our, and my athletic skills caught up to me quickly and I was able to be one of the best athletes in my area and it got me to a college for free. Everybody don't grow to be six foot five. And what I'm saying is that's my circumstance. I'm from a small town. How do you get out of that? We all know that white people, black people, Hispanic, whatever. Small towns you use to grow up in your small town or you move to the next big town over because it's a little bit bigger. And that's where you live yeah i always wanted to get out of that circumstance even when i was a kid because i grew up around drug addicts criminals um domestic violence mm-hmm. just poor poor circumstances for anybody um but i never ever felt that that was meeting where i was going to end up like mm-hmm. i always looked at it as It's embarrassing. It's just like, I will never want to be like that. I'm not going to grow up to be like that. So if we fast forward to everything I've been able to endure, go to college, graduate college, go overseas, basketball journey, becoming depressed after basketball is over, to sleeping on my friends' couches and for two, three years, not really figuring out what I want to do, start writing a blog to, to finally looking in the mirror right when I was turning 30 to pick up a camera and do something. After a relationship failed and I realized it probably failed because I had shit going on with my life. I couldn't offer anything. Yeah. Then when you get to a point where you're starting to be successful, then you get successful. and You're making money and you're making real money. Now, all of a sudden, they want to take your money. Now go back to starting at 14, 14 year old parents and you make it out of all that. And now all of a sudden the government is like, congratulations, jamanji level 15. Give me your money. <laughs> now start over. That It was easy for me to say, Nevada, Texas, back to Florida. I'm going to one of them. And Joe was trying to convince me, get the hell out of California. Yeah. He was like, get the hell out of California. And I already, four months into COVID, I was like, I'm not filming any fighters. Florida is open. Every fighter is down there living a normal lives. I'm getting my ass back to Florida. And it was an easy decision. I came here a month ago Looked at properties and made a decision to come back. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy that to leave California. Listen, I love California. It's it's a different type of life there, but I, I'm a I'm very you know this. I'm I'm very you know into the homeless crisis and stuff like that. And it is it's the worst I ever seen in California. Yeah, um, it's sad um, to where I, like I keep my radar on it and how many billions they say they're investing into improving homelessness in California. They're not doing anything. So, you know, I'm the type of person the last time I left California last year, it was because I lived in a fancy high rise downtown and I used to come out and see people sleeping on the ground. It wasn't because I was like, Ugh, I got to get out of this area. It's like, no, it's sad. I'm from a place that's very poor. I don't feel comfortable like going into my high house and my valet guy, when it's homeless people sleeping outside your building, like yeah. that's, sad. it's like, I don't want to live in a city that represents that, like let people live like that. You know?
0: yeah. Well, you know, I, I was saying before, when I, when I was comparing you to my father, and I had d- briefly mentioned that, you know, some of your film work has been around sitting and talking to homeless people and some of your writing and uh, you, you are not one of the people who pretends it doesn't exist and doesn't see it and turns a blind eye or doesn't feel like they could do anything. You've gone out of your way to tell these stories as well. Um, The story of the homeless person and just wanting to know what they're all about and sitting next to them, you know, for hours and talking. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things that makes you different. And I, I give my dad the same credit on that, which is, you know, my dad, of course, first base, I mean, first of all, if you speak the English language, you have enough, you know, you have a little up, you know, versus yes. an immigrant crossing the border illegally to get here. Yeah. Everything can be, everything can be a slight advantage. You said your height, you know, your athletic ability, slight advantage. But, um, I was so impressed when I learned that about you, about your, your compassion and your empathy and also your acknowledgement of being like, wait a second is, taxing us. Is that the answer? I mean, I don't believe it's the answer, you know? Um, I think that there's ways to solve it. And I think that what your approach was a far better approach than saying, you know, more taxes, more programs, more things. How about the creatives, you know, being empowered? How about telling these stories to get other people like me excited about wanting to be able to help? I think that that's, so much more. I think that the, you know, the government is less powerful than the people if you empower the people to make decisions. If you lock us down and drive us out of the states that we love and stifle creativity, then nothing good happens. And look, California lost you. They lost Joe. They lost, How many more people do they have to Nobody leave? many that left. It's an exodus. It's a true exodus. Yeah,
1: it really is. It's a mass exodus. Just so, like it is in New York.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know, what you were saying about the technical side of filmmaking that you've been studying that's how i feel about business and jujitsu there is the technical side i was never blessed with any athletic gifts everything about my jujitsu and my business for that matter of fact was about becoming technically really good uh, about the timing about the philosophy about having the right mindset because i just wasn't blessed with physical gifts in business or in jujitsu i was blessed with the ability to think strategically but I had a hard time running a mile or running two miles. In business, my dad can calculate complicated math in his head. I didn't have that ability. So I had to go and I had to learn the crafts. And there is a, a skill set to running organizations and growing big businesses. And I'm seeing the mismanagement of that in our governments and some of our states like New York and California. Uh, you know, you gave me one of the most incredible gifts any human being has ever even come close to giving me, which was documenting the release of my book with my father, This Is It. And you, when you did that documentary, you captured moments for my family that we never could have imagined would have gotten on film in a day. We flew in and flat. It was crazy. And one of the things that you captured so beautifully was me living in New York City getting up early, going for a run, going to jujitsu, working all day. And at that moment, when we filmed, I thought I was gonna be living in New York City for the rest of my life, most likely. And now that's not an option.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. It, 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 it's, it is weird how we did that. We showed the, the the a person trying to build a better life for his family, it, like, In New York City, and then a year later, that's that that type of life don't exist in the city right
0: now. No, it's done. It's It's like we—it's
1: perfect. That's what I mean by perfect timing. We did it. it. It's so weird, like thinking about what you and your father talked about, and then the book itself, and then it's happened. Because after I talked to you guys and read the book, and I told you, like, oh, I'm gonna grind, I'm gonna get this camera. Like I was so motivated. I went and got it yeah. a couple months later. It was just like no excuses, no excuses, hammer it on, get it. After that, I paid off my student loans. It was like $25,000 because I was like, I need to get that dark cloud over my head. Every time I see my credit report is right there. So I, <laughs> like, in like one month, I spent like $80,000 and went broke. Yeah. I maybe had like 10 grand left. Uh, and that's not a lot of money When your rent is four grand You see what I'm saying Like, yeah. uh, But I invested in myself And I believed in the process And um, when I think About now uh, Like honestly I wish I could Just like do a reverse And just do that whole documentary over And that's the it's timing And that's the reason why I'm excited about the next thing we do Because I feel like I'm a hundred Times better than last time yeah. So it's like it's it's the maturation of life it's like like you said it's gonna you have a choice how you're gonna come out of this thing right yeah one day they're gonna just say all right the world is open back up go live your lives how did you survive out of it seven eight months I wasn't able to train or work out that's why I'm back here in Florida I'm doing two a days three days I'm doing 15 minute hit classes downstairs in my building yeah. I'm going right after this. It's like I'm gonna go to Target and do another hit class. Yeah, and it's like you just gotta grind. You gotta endure this, just like those people that I see on the streets begging on the streets uh, to 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 make a dollar to eat and things like that. It's like some people are blessed. Some people had enough in their stash to you know endure all of this, or they was able to qualify for the PPP loans and you know, and it's a lot of that going on. I sure. You know, I wish I knew how to scam people because it's a lot of the <laughs> stories that I saw where people were getting two, three million dollars for having five daycares. I'm thinking like, where is this like? <laughs> got um, trades and don't know to you and care.
0: I talked about that, and as it, as it pertained to my book and you know my first book, not the one I'm writing now, but when with this is it. One of the things my dad and I talk about and preaches doing things the right way, doing things an ethical way, building your business in a a sustainable way. Because that way, when something like COVID happens, if you were on the brink of going out of business because you, you didn't run it properly, you're done. You know, there's already been 155,000 small businesses, never coming back. Gyms, martial arts studios, uh, daycare centers, restaurants, never haircutting, never coming back. the, the thing about the PPP and the EIDL money that went out there was you were only able to get that money if your business reported taxes properly, yeah. hired and paid people on the books, yeah. had a good track record of paying your rent. You weren't eligible for the money. So I have, as you know, I have properties all over the country. I have about 400 tenants, all office office and retail tenants mostly. And some of the businesses got the money right away because yeah. they were legitimate businesses that had paid legitimate taxes and filed all the paperwork properly. And then other businesses that always kind of did things eh, a little shady, you know, I uh, took it uh, exactly the gray area. They weren't eligible for the first round. They might be eligible for the second round of stimulus, but they weren't eligible for the first round because, and, and, and that story really doesn't get told all that much because it's a hard story to tell. It's a hard story to look at somebody. One of those businesses that went out and said, listen, I'm sorry, but you didn't do it the right way all those years. And it's, it's, it goes back to this, the story of the three, three little pigs, straw house, wood house, brick house. And so I, my heart breaks for a lot of the people who lost their businesses because they just like you said, they just didn't know. They weren't empowered with the information. Uh,
1: no, it's uh you can't predict. I mean, I think a seven out of 10 Americans are one paycheck from being homeless. So, uh, I think it was – I don't know if this is accurate. I don't have a Jamie to look it up. But uh, it was uh, a 70%, 60%, something like that, don't have $400 in their bank account right now. Something, it was something.
0: Yeah, like, the, the quote is, let's, let's see if I could, let's see if I could pull it up. Just 40% of Americans are able to cover an unexpected $1,000 expense, such as an emergency room visit or car repair with their savings, according to a survey from personal financial bank rate. So this is from CNBC. Uh, but it's a, this is a why you're quoting a widely, you um, this is a widely quoted subject, which is that. And that more- was
1: 2019. So now,
0: Oh, yes. I can't even imagine most
1: Americans got got two twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. And trillions of dollars went out and only Americans got a twelve hundred dollar check. I got friends in Toronto that was getting two thousand every two weeks from their government. Yeah. They also pay a ridiculous amount of tax. I get that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, how can anybody survive off $1,200. If you had kids or something, I think you got a little bit more, but most people got $1,200. I even got it. I didn't even think I qualified for it until yeah. I knew one of my friends that played pro basketball and he make a lot of money. He even got one. Then I looked in the mail one day and I uh, saw the check and I was just like, "Ah, oh, dang, okay. They yeah. are giving out these little $1,200 things. <laughs> but then it was like, where the other round? It was supposed to be another round to help people.
0: That's that's what's in the news every day. But, nah, we got a week, we got a we less than a week
1: to the election now. So it's insane. It'll It'll to it's see, gonna uh, be crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I want to just
0: ask you one more thing before we finish this up, and it's on the subject of uh, Khabib and filming in the gym with him, filming the, those moments with his father, uh, being in Dagestan with them, being in Abu Dhabi with them, being here in the US with them, all over the place you were capturing those moments on the rise. You saw the greatness. You knew what was, what was coming. What, what, what is it about Khabib that is so different from other people when you're with him?
1: His faith, uh, it's, it's that simple. Um, realistically, man, most people don't believe in anything. They say that to save face publicly, mm-hmm or they do it to get some type of favor, but religion is lost upon a lot of people these days. Uh, And what I mean by that is the a faith value system, something, a structure that they live by to make them better people. I mean, I see videos every day from the left and the right to the moderate ugliness in our country, ugliness. You know, I'm seeing, Republicans, Democrats tear each other heads off, but they claim to be good Christians. Um, you look at the barbaric nature of, you know, other religions, Islamic religions around the world, and or they their ideology is based on that, and they commit these crimes and make a religion as a whole look bad. But we don't look at the good people, the good Christians. We don't look at the bad the good Muslims. And I'm pretty sure Habib is not a perfect person, because no one is, but he's a great mu- person that represents his faith. And I it, it, it's just like Ali. Muhammad Ali was not a perfect person. But he had this this bond with his religion that made him indestructible mentally. Mm-hmm. And I feel like be number one, his father. You have that in your corner and the cornerstone of your faith makes you feel invincible. And I think Justin he said something last week where he was like, you know, this guy, I don't know if he believes it. But a lot of people. He has basically uh, has a lot of yes, man, a lot of people that make him feel a certain way. And I, I hope he doesn't believe that. And I kind of want to challenge and see if I see that in him. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, I love you, Justin. You just don't understand. Like, this guy's faith is everything. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of eyeballs on him. And I just feel like if I was going to ever want to learn about another culture, or another religion, you look at people like that. And I feel like that's what makes him a better person person than what i you know a fighter like mm-hmm. you know what i mean fighting i don't lo- the fighter is cool but it's to him as a person that makes you just respect them like it's just a certain amount of respect because you know that he lives by a certain code yeah. and he's he ain't gonna cool. break that code yeah, he's not he's gonna cool. break it and we live in a society over here in the west where it's you use religion for your own advantage you you pull the Bible out to give some votes or, sure. to, you know impress a girl if she only dates people that believe in Jesus, you know. So it's like, yeah. um, that's it, man. Honestly, it's 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 very inspirational to see someone tied to his faith that much, you know.
0: I think um, you when you have not perfect, perfect encapsulation, and you really did an amazing job over these past few years. Capturing a whole different side of Islam uh, that the world was really turned on to by Khabib, he became a worldwide sensation because of his how principled he was, and how dominant and how kind he could be. Uh, the love of his family and his teammates, and those so many intimate moments that you really were the first one to bring to life. Uh, Dagestani basketball, or being in the house for Ida uh, al Mubarak. Is that, am I saying that properly?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, you caught those moments in their house, the hospitality that they showed you. And just, uh, I, I really commend you and, and thank you for so much incredible content. I mean, it's just mind-blowing the, the, the roster of people who have put their trust in you to share moments. From, how many champions now? I mean, Usman and K- so Khabibu. Uh, so it's it's wild. And you had so many, there' was great. And so many people on the come up, you know, sugar Shane in the early days. And you had like, you got really doing a great job. So thank you so much for uh, coming into my life and helping tell our family story too. And being a part of this new book that I'm writing, business jujitsu, I think i um, going to give you some really great things for me to think about today. And I can't oh, wait man. to hear with you.
1: I appreciate it, man. It's it's, it's an honor, always. And um, I look forward to seeing you and your dad again and yeah. seeing how big your son is. Yeah. Uh, growing up. And uh, let's, let's, let's make some magic next time.
0: Yep. I'm going to see you in uh, just a few short weeks down in Florida for Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, All right, brother. Good to see it.